This episode is brought to you by Not Alone Co. It has been such a pleasure for us at Not Alone Co. to create our little Not Alone community. We want to be able to utilize the messaging on our apparel in order to help facilitate tough and meaningful conversations with your loved ones. Community, conversation, and vulnerability. This is a journey and mental health isn't a battle to be won. We at Not Alone Co. are here to remind you that you are never alone and it's okay to not be okay. Use code NAC10 at checkout for 10% off your order, which helps us donate portions of the proceeds to various mental health charities and foundations. That's code NAC10 at checkout. We love you and you're not alone. Welcome to the Speak Your Mind podcast. My name is Tyler Smith. Joined with me, as always, is my boy, Riley Shan. We are powered by Torch Pro. Okay, Riles, you've had many arena hot dogs in your life. You've had many glizzies, as they call it now. Um, imagine your ideal condiment station. You're you're feeling good. You go up there. Mom gives you five bucks. She gets some hot dogs, maybe a candy bag. And you got your ideal condiment station. What are you chucking on that glizzy? Well, first of all, it's presumptuous of you to say that I've had many arena hot dogs. I'm a <laughs> National Hockey League player. I got to keep a clean diet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but if this if this situation actually happened, I'm going ketchup, mustard, relish, hundred percent, all three. I probably I'd probably throw some cheese on there, and I think I'm cutting it there. I think I'm just going kind of like. Classic ketchup, mustard, relish. Not a big onion guy. Yeah, I'm just keeping it simple. Right so there, ketchup, mustard, relish, and a ketchup, mustard, relish, and a little <laughs> cheese. Shredded, shredded cheese. You are dripping in sauce. <laughs> yeah, I'd go heavier ketchup, light mustard, and then decent dose of relish. I like. I'm a okay. big ketchup guy. I'm a big. I'm a. I'm a huge ketchup guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love ketchup. Okay, well, I'm. It's ketchup, mustard, it's bacon bits, it's cheese. Bacon bits. Yes. Have you had, or may, and maybe, maybe just a little bit of sauerkraut. I don't know if okay. I, for, yeah, yeah, possibly, maybe a little kimchi, you know, something to switch it up a little bit. Um, okay. But anyways, I mean, talk about arenas, talk about how many arenas this amazing guest that we just had on has been in. Um, Ray Ferraro is the name. And I think for many Canadians listening, the amount of times you've sat around your your living room, watching the World Juniors, listening to Ray Ferraro call the games and call. I, I can't, I, I'm just starting to think about how many World Juniors I watch with my family, whether it's the, you know, the, the Tave shootout, whether it's the Eberly tying goal. I mean, there's been so many across. Um, yeah, it's just, it's insane to think about. But uh, I think we mainly brought Ray on today to talk about, I mean, the article that he just wrote. Um, he wrote a pretty profound article on his and his decision to step away from TSN, his decision to, you know, take a step back a, a little bit in his life and, um, you know, to talk about the the way that things have changed, you know, his outlook, his compassion, his empathy. Um, it was just, uh, 
like I said, I've been a fan of Ray since I could I can remember, and it was uh, pretty amazing to be able to just have this candid conversation with Ray about you know about that article about his life now. Yeah, I mean, I think you kind of peg someone based off what you see on TV, and and obviously Ray had a hell of a career. Eighteen years playing in the NHL is absolutely unbelievable. Um, but when the article came out, I just found it super admirable and. Ad- admirable admirable (laughs) admiral right there yeah um super admirable and it was just an awesome conversation because he spoke about so many things that you wouldn't sort of see when he's when he's on tv and when he's talking about hockey and so many relatable things i think for a lot of people and um he just seemed at peace and talked about his flaws and how he gets through them and just a lot of good information to take in um, and we had a lot of fun. So we got to give Landon a shout out. Landon, his son, who I played with, who's an amazing guy. We got to give him a shout out for, for hooking us up to talk to his dad. And we had a great time with this episode. And speak your mind, fam. Listen up. I know you all got Instagram. And I know that you all like tunes. And let me tell you, head on over to Speak Your Mind Instagram and watch me kick the I can't say it, kick <laughs> Riley's ass at New Tune Tuesday pretty much almost every week. I don't know. Like his picks are kind of baloney sometimes, but uh, we like to keep it fun. We like to keep, you know, you guys engaged. We like to keep it, uh, you know, keep it light. And uh, and we hope that you guys uh, will tune into that. And uh, and also, before we dive into today's interview, we wanted to highlight that Premier Blue Cross is a proud sponsor of Speak Your Mind. One in five people deal with mental health conditions every year. So no matter who you are, it's okay to ask for help. Primera Blue Cross, always in your corner. Now let's jump into the conversation. All right, well, let's jump into it. I mean, sure. I, I sent you the text saying how powerful I thought that article was um, the, when, when that came out and, and everything you said. I think for me, it was just really relatable, like kind of stuff that I've been going through, especially kind of as my career maybe as we've signed these one-year deals trying to figure out what's next and i just thought a lot of the stuff you said was was really relatable so we're going to start just I, I appreciate you coming out with that because i think a lot of other people can kind of even my old man he uh he commented on to me he said he said he loved your presence always as an analyst and you're no bullshit and your accuracy with the game obviously but even now he's he's got that much more respect for you coming coming oh. out with that that article so uh i think you hit a lot of people's hearts but i mean we're just going to start i think 2002 you you retired from the game and you jumped right into hockey i think we want to talk kind of about your transition um when you look back yeah. at it you didn't you didn't take a break you went right from playing 20 20 seasons, 18, right around 18. Eight, 18 seasons, and then jumped yeah. right into broadcasting. What was, what was that transition like? I, I was so unbelievably lucky because, um, and, and, you know, at the time, of course, you don't think about it, but, you know, like there'll be an event that happens in your life and you don't realize how significant it is until like way, way, way later. Not at the time, but like, so... I signed a free agent contract in 1995 with the Rangers. Biggest contract I ever signed. Left the Islanders, four-year deal. I scored 25 goals in 54 games, and then I got traded to LA. Like, I was totally blindsided. It, it was brutal. And so I get to LA. About two weeks later, my agent gets a call from uh, a guy at ESPN, and he says, uh, "Would you know the Kings aren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, would Ray be interested in doing some TV work? 
So he called me up and he said, you know, would you be interested? And I'm like, geez, I don't know. I'm still playing and I'm not planning to retire. And so I went there and it went well, I guess, because they invited me back the next year. So the crazy part is going to LA, our our team was in a total full rebuild. And I didn't realize that that was going to open the door to a post career. Like I, I I just had no idea. And so I retired. And, um, you know, my body had just said, uncle, um, uh, I had actually just, I just got divorced. And so my ex-wife was going to move to Vancouver with the kids who at the time were, Matt was 13 and Landon was 10. So wherever she was going, I was going because of, of the boys. And so I get to Vancouver. I got no idea what I'm going to do. Like I, I've done the broadcasting thing and I... And I think I'm going to do that, but I, I kind of like to coach, I think, too. And so I don't really have a plan. And then, like, out of the blue, I get a call from Sportsnet. And they said, hey, Craig Simpson is going to leave uh, Sportsnet. He's going to go coach with the Oilers. We'd like you to come in and audition uh, for the color job. I said, well, I live in Vancouver. And they're like, yeah, you could fly in and out. That wouldn't be a problem uh, for the games. And so I was like, okay. So I go audition. I don't even know what I'm doing. I've, I've never done games before and I do the audition they're like yeah we'd like to hire you I mean I didn't have an agent I mean whatever they offered I was like yeah sure I get you know like I had no idea <laughs> and so now all of a sudden like I I retired in May when I was playing for St. Louis we lost in the playoffs I retired in May and I started working in October and so like I, I didn't even I didn't take a breath I just it was kind of like you guys know, like the hockey season's got its own rhythm, right? And so like late August, you start feeling like, oh, it's kind of getting into hockey season again. And then camps open and then all of a sudden I was traveling again. And that first week of the season, um, Cammie and I, uh, my wife, but at the time, you know, we were just starting to see each other and uh, we went to a Canucks game and I was not prepared for what I was going to feel when, when that game started. Like the First game I'd been to uh, as a retired player, and the guys came out of the tunnel. The music's going, the lights are going, and I it, like it hit me like I'm never doing this again. And I just start I started to cry, like yeah. I I just it was totally overwhelming. And so the crazy part is like I had this thing that I was transitioning to, right? Like I knew now I was hired. I was going to be a TV analyst, and I was still run over with emotion. So like for the guys that are coming to the end of the road and they don't know what to do, it's, I, I can see where it's just totally overwhelming. Yeah. Like what totally were those, overwhelming. What, what were those like emotions when you, when you watch the guys come out? Like you said, it was just like a roller yeah. coaster, but what, what was well, it? Well, Riley, it was like everything I've done my whole life is over. Right. It's, it's done. Like I, from the time I got on the ice to, you know, as a little kid, I was like five or six or whatever. Like, I don't know if kids think this way, but like, I never thought ever that I was going to do anything else but play in the NHL. Like I, I, my mom used to keep the scrapbook, right? For, we had four boys in our family and everybody had a scrapbook and it was your teacher's name and your best friend and, you know, your favorite food, whatever. And what I'm going to be when I grow up. And so in six-year-old 
handwriting, uh, it says NHL player. Like I never thought totally, of course, oblivious to how hard it was going to be and all that stuff. I just was going to do it. And then it was over. And I felt, I felt kind of lost really. Here's the other thing is like, for me, my personality is like, I, I fought everybody all the time. We've read that a couple of times. (laughs) (laughs) Even if they don't know I was fighting them, right? Like I was still like, I had to win and I had to, then you retire and you're like, well, who am I fighting? Like the guy at Starbucks line or the guy that was cutting me off in traffic or (laughs) that I cut off in traffic, you know, like it was like, I had, you have no outlet for it. None. And so the things that I think this is a real issue for super competitive people is that when you change careers, there's no outlet for that. And you've got all this stuff pent up inside you. And how do you deal with it? And like, honestly, guys, I've been traveling. I turned pro in September of 1984. And I've been traveling ever since. Yeah. Every hockey season. Crazy. Yeah. And so where does the outlet go? Where's the energy go? You try and work out and you're like, the only reason you work out is so you don't get fat. I mean, when you're retired, <laughs> like I look at, like I look at the weights now and I'm like, God, they look so heavy. I don't want to pick that up. I'll go down to this end of the rack yeah. and lift the light stuff. But even that you're like, yeah, I guess it's a workout. It's, you know, like it's not, yeah. it's just not the same. And that, that was, that's been really, really, really hard for decades for me to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Like I, it's completely different circumstances. Obviously like your 18 years in the NHL, uh, an incredible career. Um, I think you consistently defied the expectations. Like you said, multiple mm-hmm. times in your article, you know, I was, I had to prove that I was fast enough and, you know, just because I was small, all this and all that. And I think you obviously proved everything like that. And, um, I mean, I only, I only played one year in Humboldt and then obviously, but when I made the decision to leave, I think it was the exact same thing. It's just, you just feel lost and you just like, where's my outlet now? Like, how do I, how do I move forward? And it's almost like we've had a couple guests on where, you know, you losing hockey, like playing hockey is, is grief. I mean, you're losing something Mm -hmm. that has been your whole life. And so my kind of question is, you know, go back to the, you know, proving yourself and continuing to defy these expectations. Once you got into that new outlet of media, I mean, how did that mindset kind of shift for you? Because obviously, it's still the same similar routine. Um, but how did you kind of shift your your mindset to like, okay, this is what I got to do now. And you said you're very competitive. So how did you kind of shift it to like, okay, I'm not constantly competing against other other people every night, but I want to make sure that obviously I'm doing my best for everybody else that's listening. Um, I, I still thought I was competing. Yeah. <laughs> you, you know, like I, I was, I was like, if I, I'm, I, you know, I, I ask a few guys like, you know, Darren Pang was a, Darren Pang's a great, a great story. So he was a, he's literally five foot four and a half. Like, Panger played a goal in the NHL at five foot four and a half. Like, can you imagine how competitive he had to be? Like, or how many times people looked at him and they're like, really, you're going to be the goalie? And he was good enough to, to play in the NHL. He rips up his knee. He's got nothing. Like in those days, like we were making no money. 
He had played 27 games in the NHL. He's married. He is just about to have a baby. He's got no job. He's got like, and so Panger, he's just like this energetic soul. And he ended up getting into broadcasting. He's gone on. He's had a terrific career. So I called him and I'm like, like, what do you do? I'm going to, I'm going to be broadcasting games. I don't really know how to do it. And so he gave me a couple little things to do, you know, to look at. Here's where you read. Here's where it's not like now where you know, he's open the internet, and browse around. And now yeah. there's articles you can find good or bad. You can find them anywhere. So I started to build like my own routine and, but where it where it got problematic is that, okay, so I'm doing the Oilers. Say the Oilers are playing Pittsburgh on Thursday. I think I've got to watch the Penguins game, like start to finish um, on Friday, Sunday, and Tuesday. So I don't miss anything before I get there. And then I get to the rink and you talk to coaches and as many players as you can find. And Well, that's for one game. I, I was doing 50 <laughs> per year. And so I don't know how, how Cammie honestly was like, she must have been like, you got it. Like, you know, you got enough information. <laughs> but, I, but I never did. Like, I never did. And so it, I just, I poured the same energy into, into my broadcasting. And again, there's, there's just not the outlet for it though. Like the, the physical part of it was not the outlet. I, uh, the, the Vancouver Canucks uh, have a couple of broadcasters. John Shorthouse does play by play. and Dan Murphy's the host and they're both really good friends. We play lots of golf together. So a number of years ago we're playing and um, I'm not having a very good day. And I, you know, I hit a ball out of bounds on 12 at our, at our course and I make a double bogey and we're walking off the green. And I said to them, I go, it's right about here. I would take a bad slashing penalty. Like right, right about here. <laughs> I was like, just furious. Like, and there's no one to be furious with. I'm the dummy that hit it out of bounds. Right. And so I, I'm telling you, like, I, I don't think I empathized as much with the struggle other people have trying to like, I was still in the game I love and, and I don't think I understood that sometimes there's, there's a difference between people doing a job and Gord Miller taught me this people doing a job and people in a career. Like sometimes you're just, you're doing your thing because that's what you got to do. You don't love it, but it's a way to provide for yourself and your family. And well, I got to keep going to the rink. Like when I look back at it, I'm like, why was I, why did I always have this anxiety and angst? And, and it took me, honestly, guys, it took me 15 years after I retired yeah. to come to a place that was completely different. What, like what caused that? I think one of my main questions like I read, like you had your quoted talking about your situation and like you kind of, you just weren't happy with what was going on. Like what was that light bulb moment where you're, or like, was it a light bulb moment or was it kind of just like an evolution of self-realization where you're like, it caused you your cutback when you, like taking some steps back from work and opening up your schedule. But like what caused you to, to take those steps and actually have the confidence and courage to, to act? on it if, if you know what i'm saying well yeah the 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 stepping back from work is almost the last step 
mm-hmm. you know, in, in that continuum. That's like the last step of it. I mean, there's hopefully there's a long road still and I got lots of journey to go, but the work was the step back from work was the realization that the the way I was living was just not, it was not anything I was comfortable with anymore. Um, I could see like, you know, like I used to say to Cammy, so we have, you know, I've got my boy, my older boys are 34 and 31 and 15 and 12. And so the 15 year old's born and we got, you know, and you're going through that first year, which is just, you know, you know, there's no sleep and every, every parent's got the same I'm thing. Going, I'm going through it right now, Ray. <laughs> isn't it, Riley, isn't it amazing when you go, wow, that was a good sleep last night. You realize it was five hours and yeah. you're like, and you're like, wow, the baby slept for five hours. It's amazing. So Cammy would, Cammy has a far different way of doing things than, than I would. And I would say to her, look, I, I've been doing this for 15 years already. You know, I'd been a parent. I'd been, or 18 years, whatever it was. I always felt like my way had to be the right way. Then over the course of time, I'm realizing, you know what? She is so much better at this <laughs> than me. Like, or just her way. Like, I'd be, like, everything was so, my, my energy, she used to say, like, you have this energy that, you know, I would lash out and then I'm fine because I've lashed out and everybody else is like, what the hell was that? <laughs> but I'm fine. And she's like, you leave, you leave this energy behind. And, you know, as Matt's getting older, he's like, dad, like, it's not that big a deal. And I'd be like, yeah, but, you know, and so it was a little bit of that and, you know, getting older and going like, I don't want to be like that for my younger guys. And then um, it just like nothing that nothing like there wasn't one moment, but it just, it kept leading towards I need to make a change because I was, I was starting to become disappointed in myself in the way I would interact with somebody, even the way I'd interact with Cammy, like the way we'd argue, I'd like, it, it, it used to honestly used to piss me off. Like almost every disagreement we had, I would say, sorry. Mm-hmm. And it bothered me. I'm like, Jesus, I'm saying sorry all the time. Why am I saying sorry? Maybe my way needs to be readjusted. Maybe I need to find a different way. So in 2018, in July, we're at a soccer tournament in uh, Riley, who's our our 15-year-old. We're at a soccer tournament. uh, It's called the Gothia Cup in in Gothenburg, Sweden. It's like this crazy worldwide soccer tournament. I don't even know how many teams there are, 100 and something or other. It's an amazing event. So one of the players on our team, his dad is like just the calmest – guy he's just like you know, like the building falls around and he uh, down around him and he's like eh. so so we're for we're having a coffee and uh i just asked him i'm like why are you like this like why how are you like this like i was so i was like enthralled and envious of him because he's just he's an amazing amazing guy mm-hmm. and so kind of tells me his story a little bit tells me a little bit about meditation, tells me a little bit about stepping away from what gives you the most angst and kind of looking at it from like a bigger, a bigger picture instead of standing right in the middle of it. Yep. And so I went back home that night 
And he told me about this guided meditation app. Uh, it's called the Calm app. It's a oh, yeah. very popular app. And so I downloaded it and I started. And I, I'm like, this, I can't believe how I felt. Like I, I felt like, like I had just taken a nap and woke up. Like in that moment, I'm like, Oh my God, like I feel great. Well, of course that wears off and you got to keep, and then I do it for a while and stop for a while. And like, so today is what the 28th of October. So I just happened to notice this today. Oh, I finished the, I do it in the morning. Uh, today was uh, 399 days in a row. Wow. And That's so I, I can't start the day. I feel wrong. I'm like, something's off. And so from, from my friend, he gave me a path to follow. And part of it became from that path, I started um, to see a psychologist. And I talk with her once every couple of weeks. I just saw her yesterday. And she has this amazing phrase because I think it, it fits me really well. Is She said, like, when you have a worry and a stress, like you're pulling the rope and you've got this rope pulled so tight because you don't want to drop it. She's like, sometimes you just got to let the rope go. Mm. I'm terrible at that. Terrible. Well, I've started to incorporate it into my life. And like, it all kind of like, if you can take the first step and believe that somewhere down that road, those steps matter. I, I think you can, I think you can really make a difference because when I stopped, I was like, you know, I started and then I stopped and I started and I stopped. I'm like, well, I don't, I still feel the same. Well, I tried it six days. It's like anything, right? Like, you know, people go to the gym for a week and they're not in great shape. So they quit. Yeah. And so this is the more I worked on me, it's maybe selfish, I guess, but the better I became for Cammy and the boys and all, all four of them. Matt Landon, Riley, and Reese. And that really became my driving force. I want to be better for them. Do you think, sorry, I'm going to tie, you probably got a question too, but this one I think just fits. Adding these like modalities or um, habits and, and like the meditation and being kind of more cognizant of like what's going on inside you, like, do you think that would have helped you during your playing career? Or do you think like that? fire and that drive inside of you to be competitive and like I, I always find it interesting I think there's a lot of successful athletes are successful because they're they're so driven and they'll do anything to achieve what they have to but there's also a lot of athletes that are so like grounded and so dialed into what what they're feeling and open and they do like the meditation stuff it's kind of like I don't know. Like, do you think if you had these habits mm. earlier in your career, you would have had the same success as a, as a player, even uh, as a broadcaster too? That's a really, really interesting question because. Or, or is I, there a balance of both? Like, Oh, I think the balance is, and, I think yeah. the balance is the best way. I think the balance is incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. Like, like you guys know when you, when you leave the rink, and you don't need anybody else to tell you whether you've played a good game or a bad game, right? You, you know, like somebody comes up to you and says, good game. And you're like, yeah, because you know, right. You're like, yeah, it, it wasn't that good. And so uh, the balance, 
the balance would be nice to have when things were going particularly poorly. Yeah. Because that's when I turned the fight from fighting everybody else and I then fought myself. Like my my like I'd miss the net in a in practice and I'd smash my stick on the boards and one of the guys would always say, you know, the coach hasn't noticed you missed the net till you smashed your stick on the boards. <laughs> and then he's yeah. like, oh, he must have missed the net because they're watching a hundred guys out there, right? Yeah. So Cam Cammy said and and in the article she talks about my my strength as a player was also my weakness. Right. And and so I I really do I really do think it's a tough balance, but I think and and also guys it's it's like a lot of things where we can't really apply 2022 standards and the way we look at things back to 1990. Yeah. Like nobody was talking about mental health in 1990. If like even had I been seeing a psychologist in 1990, I would have never told anybody. Yeah. Now, now if somebody says to me, well, you've seen a psychologist, what do you do? I don't really care what they think. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to, I'm trying to be better for myself, but for the people around me too. Back then, you would have never said anything. Not a yeah. chance. So the, 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 here's the thing. If, if I had this mindset... I would have known, I think, the competitive part was super important, but there's more. There, there is yeah. more. Because at the time, it was my game, my nap, my time to eat, my me, 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 me. And it just, the world doesn't work like that. And, yeah. and the quicker, I wish I, I wish I would have got to this much earlier. I really do. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's. I think Riley. We've had that conversation quite a bit. Riley can I think relate to that last part quite a bit. But I want to. I want to go back to steps. Um, I think I. I don't want to you know single out men as in, in this conversation, obviously. Um, but I think for men, uh, sometimes that first step is the hardest part because we all have this misconception that okay, there's a right or wrong way to do this. And I don't know if you had the same kind of mindset, but I always thought that there's a there's a correct way to go about this. You know, when you're finally taking this step and making that decision to take care of yourself, which you, you know, haven't fully done mentally or emotionally um, over the years, you know, taking that first step does require a lot of, of weird strength that you probably never used before. I want to touch on like, talk us through that process of actually getting to that first step and then also being able to appreciate the little steps along the way, you know, the little steps of making that, that psychology appointment, you know, making those little, little pieces in your life, you know, just come together, you know, talk about that process, because I know it's not easy. And I know I've talked a lot with people around me where it's like, that's the toughest thing. I always get the question, you know, how do you push somebody to take that first step? How do you, you know, how do you do it? So is there, is there anything you can kind of touch on with that? Yeah. I, yes. Um, first of all, I, you can push somebody all you want and, and it, 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 they need to, they need to feel it in their heart that now's the time. Yeah. Because like I said, I started and then I stopped and then I started and I stopped like, I hadn't, clearly, I hadn't gotten to that point that even though I had kind of started that, okay, I need to, I need to fully commit myself to this. Um, one of the things that really 
you know, I could see, you know, I, I could see disappointment in in Cami um, when I deal with the kids with something, or when I um, would get pissed off in traffic, or I don't know, the restaurant took too long or something. I could start to see like her disappointment because she is just not like that. She, and the crazy part is I wasn't raised with impatient people. My mom and dad were not, they just, they just weren't. They were, they were incredible people. I was so lucky to have my parents and somehow this all manifested itself. And so I could see this disappointment and in it, I could also, I just was disappointed in myself disappointed in the way the way I did a lot of things really like you know I'm 48 50 years old and I'm still smashing my golf club on the ground like who the hell cares right like <laughs> you can still be you can still like yeah. I love golf there's nothing I do that gives me more athletic juice than that because it's me against the course I don't care what the other guys do play good play bad doesn't matter to me I just I love it but I'm like why am I so I'm like, I'm an amateur, even though I think I'm half decent. Like, what, why am I angry? I should come back from the course. Like, wow, that was awesome. So all of those things started to kind of build themselves up. And it became like more of a, the, the inspiration to start was my disappointment in myself. And I just said to myself that, I got, I got to find a way. I got to find a way. And it's kind of looking and kind of listening and, but kind of not because one of the, one of the most difficult parts of it all is when you get to that point and you go brush your teeth and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, I don't, I don't fucking like this. I don't, I don't like this. And, and, you know, people see a, you know, my career and then my second career and I'm married to a, a wonderful woman who was in the hockey hall of fame and she's a trailblazer and I've got four bo healthy boys. Like what could possibly be wrong? Well, there was like yeah. there, there was, uh, I am, I look back sometimes guys and I'm like, I can't believe like, I can't believe it. Like what the hell was I thinking? And, yeah. and part of it is you just don't think you just, you know, the guy that wrote the article, Bruce Arthur, he, he had this phrase and I was like, oh my God, Bruce, I'm going to steal that. And he said, it's like, it's like I was wound up as a child by my, by, you know, just my chemistry, you know, because again, it wasn't, wasn't my parents, my dad, my dad never skated. He didn't, he just came to the games. He was like the most supportive guy ever. And mom never thought I played a bad game ever. Oh, good game, Raymond. I'd be like, Mom, I was minus three. Jeez. I didn't. <laughs> She's like, oh, but you played hard. I was like, okay, thanks. Like that was that was my upbringing. So Bruce Arthur said it was like I was wound up like as a, as a ball as a kid and just let go. And eventually, like the roll ran out. Yeah. And you know it ran out in my fifties, and I was like. Like, you know, like that kinetic energy that it just, I, I was like this all the time. Yeah. And but, but some people don't even, that never, it never, it just keeps going, right? They never have that like yeah. self-realization process. And I think it's really cool. And I love how like you're, you're sharing it with other people, which kind of like 
leads to my next question of like, have you had conversations now that you've been open with this process with people around you or like loved ones or even people in the media world, ex-players, whatever it was saying like they've had this same sort of process going on in their head where they might want to start like being a little more true to themselves and kind of like same process that you went through? Like, have you, have you found like your walls have come down and you're open to those conversations or people want to have those conversations with you? Overwhelming since then I had, I had, honestly, I had no one. First of all, I had no intention of the article to be like that. I just thought I was talking about the end of my time at TSN and why I was transitioning, you know, I was, and then all of a sudden it just like, came out like that like and so when the art when i finished the doing the interview i said to cammy we're we're going to bed and i was like man i i don't know how that's going to turn out like i i don't know like i i feel kind of pretty exposed here you know and like and and i so the article comes out and you know i i see it online and so when the article comes out. That's the first time I've seen it, right? Like I'm, I'm reading the article at, as I, you know, because I had just done the interview. I, I, you know, he didn't, Bruce didn't send me an advanced copy or anything. He just, you know, that's not how it's done. So I start reading it and I'm like, geez, you know, there's a lot of stuff there. And, and so first part of the day didn't really hear much. And then it was like a, a door opened and it was just, like I'm, I'm telling you, literally overwhelming number of people reaching out. Many of them asking if I was okay. Yeah, you know, and then you know me saying no, no, this is like this is great. This is what yeah. you know. Um, many, I, I'm really surprised with people saying, "Well, good for you, congratulations," and like I, I was, I wasn't ready for that either. Um, I. I, I think a lot of, well, not I think, I know a lot of people have a, uh, and it's a little bit frustrating, not frustrating, it's a little bit, makes me uneasy, I guess. People have an image of of what they think I am or how they think I am. And it was either because I slashed a lot of people or then I moved into this career where honestly, like being opinionated is is just me. It's just yeah. like, I'm not trying, it is a bit of a character, right? You're on TV. They got the what's bugging Ray thing and all that, but they, you know, that's not the fully formed picture. And so I think a lot of people were quite surprised Yeah, because as they know me, they don't know me like that. When it all came out, I just wasn't prepared for, it. you know, I just wasn't, it's really, it's really kind of cool to, have people say, geez, I've been thinking of that myself. I've been, yeah. I, I met, I met with a, a guy I play golf with yesterday. We went for coffee and he's kind of winding down his career. And he asked like, what were the steps you took? And I was like, oh, like to hear that it actually had an impact. That was not my intention, yeah. you know, which is, it's kind of, it's kind of neat. You know, it's kind of neat that that could be. Yeah, I, well, that, that's what uh, I. I'll quickly. I'm just gonna. It's not a question, but just that's what I meant when I said like 
just the article was very relatable. Like I know obviously there's a big age gap between us, but like sometimes you get into this mindset where like I'm thinking about like I'm dragging my family around like five different teams and five different years and um, it's like one year contracts, a lack of stability and like so now I'm not really playing much and it's just kind of like there's all these things that go through my head like am I good enough like all these things and it's like to know that the options there to stop not saying I want yes. to but the, to know that options there put, make makes me at ease and then makes me kind of look back onto why I'm playing and it's because I love going to the rink I love being around the guys when the game comes I love playing I love the competition but I think like it just shows a lot of people too like you don't have to, especially in sports, it's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to enjoy it. You grew up loving it. To know you don't have to be doing it, you get to do it. I think that's kind of one of the things that showed me. So um, it was a good reflection piece for me to sort of like, like, let's keep going. Let's have fun with this because my career is only so long. And I think a lot of other athletes re- relate to that. Like you get guys joking around like the NHL is the never happy league and like guys are kind of like mm-hmm. grumpy sometimes and um i think like moments like this for me it it puts things into perspective and then i can take that energy and bring it to to the rink with me and share that with the other guys so you know you also have uh, you know of course i'm biased but you also have riley in buffalo um something that other players don't have and that's my brother-in-law yeah like the, the the way that he is he is one of the most incredible people i've ever come across he yeah. he really is and he cares and he cares for his players. He cares if they're okay. He gives, he gives you, he gives each player a way to be successful, both 100%. on and off, off the ice. And so he like, I, I hope that's what leadership becomes. I hope yeah. this isn't an outlier. I think this is the way you treat people. Like, I, yeah. like that's, I look at Donnie and, you know, and, and, you know, so my brother-in-law for those that don't know is, is, you know, Cammy's brother. And he's like, he's gone through a hell of a lot in his life. You know, he's, he had cancer. He was probably going to be an NHL coach at a very young age. He got sick. Fortunately, he's healthy, but he went away from coaching. He was scouting. He was in player development. Then he got back, you know, the real, the real juice for Don is to, is to coach. And then he was an assistant coach and then, you know, he's an assistant in Buffalo and then he gets an interim tag and the Sabres are in great hands. But Mm -hmm. one of the reasons is it's the whole picture of what we're talking about is that it can't just be the job. It it has to be more. And it's not just athletics. It's if, if you don't like the job that you're doing, you've got to find something you can hang on to in that job that brings you some joy. Yeah. Find something, whatever it is, small piece, just something you look forward to on the day. And then you can build and you can find how to grow that inside you. Like, look, my job's great. The travel stinks. It's, it's brutal. I, I travel, like I, when I was doing both jobs and doing the world juniors plus the world championships, I was flying 160, 70,000 miles a year. Like, yeah, what am crazy. I doing? You know, like that part stinks, but there's no job that everything's perfect. There's not one. Yeah. And so the balance part back to that, that's critical in anything. Like you're going to, you're going to quit, 
Riley, when you don't have fun anymore, yeah. you're going to go, you know what? I, I've had it. I just, I can't put the work in to satisfy myself. And you'll go, you know what? It's not right. Yeah. Like that'll come, comes to everybody at some point. You know what's crazy is, I mean, I obviously didn't play in the NHL, but uh, when I left Humboldt after going back, after I recovered from all my injuries, mm-hmm. my text to my parents was, I'm just not having fun anymore. <laughs> and I think that is so relatable because once you lose that fun aspect, once you lose that enjoyment of doing what you're doing, I mean, it's so hard to get it back. So Tyler, just think of all the, all the things you went through to even get your feet back on the ice, which was probably as you were going through your recovery that was the whole thing oh yeah yeah right and then you get there and you're like oh you know like it's not always what you picture like i pictured doing games you know doing this schedule and then i got to this schedule and i'm like oh I, i don't like this what can i do about it and it took me a long time to unspool it but i got to a point and i was like oh i've got this and i'm doing the ea game and you know which is 20 hours a month in a sound booth and and i'm you know i'm doing the leafs and i'm doing the world junior and i'm doing the world championship then i got the ea or the the espn gig and you're like it's just what you say if there's no if you lose the fun you've got to find the fun in it because yeah. that's that's the engine. Yeah, yeah. I want to. Uh, I, I mean, I love this already, but I want to definitely go back to your article um, and just the effect afterwards. I want to. I want to share a quote that my therapist shared actually, and and she said, I think I've said this multiple times, like my many quotes, but you know, your spotlight can really be the light at the end of other people's tunnels. Um, and I think for you especially, it's interesting because I mean, so many people have grown up with you, you know, around. <laughs> Christmas time, you know, it's you, it's the, it's the gang at the world juniors. It's, it's everybody thinks they just know you. And I think after people read this article and, and I, I can actually take a step back in their own lives and be like, wow, you know, like Ray Ferraro has been, you know, my Christmas time for how many years and he's able to come out and do this. Um, I want to touch on how impactful your relationship started to become and how and how much more appreciation you were had for the conversations that you were having i literally just got a message from a a gentleman that i used to play against in junior a hockey played in flin flon a little bit i got a message from him and said i've been struggling with my mental health and addiction for the past couple years and i just want to say you know what you share and what you're doing has really helped me ask for help and I think receiving something like that and receiving those messages, like you've probably received a couple over the, you know, this last little bit, it's hard because once again, you kind of have to find a balance where it's like, okay, I want to be able to do everything I can for this person. But I also know that, you know, I'm still trying to take these steps as well. But I want to just, how much more appreciation, I guess, do you have for the relationship with yourself, but also just the relationships that you have with your loved ones and the people around you and the conversations you're having? Well, okay. One of the things I've always, I've always kind of, I've never really, I never even really internalized it. I never thought about it, but it's true is that feeling that you're enough is a hard thing. Yeah. Because you know, your own imperfections better than anybody else. You, you might be able to 
you might be able to cloud them over so other people don't notice, but you know. And so there's there's a portion of that for me that was like, I'm not, yeah, I guess I'm on TV. I guess, I, you know, like, I guess I do the games. I get, but I it never felt like I was really, I was never really happy with myself. Like I, I hated a large part of my personality that, that I know people find or found funny. And it was, you know, you know, I mean, it is when I look at it, like I say goofy things and some, you know, like, and, you know, like Landon, you know, would often him and his brother would just laugh at something I would say. And they're like, really dad, do you really feel like that? And I'd be like, no, not really. You know, like, so there was, there was that not feeling enough thing was, was a real, it was a real problem. And so once I got to this point, you say like the impact on my relationships, I wanted to have a better relationship with Matt and Landon, you know, the little guys, I, you know, I can do math, you know, like, Reese is 12 and I'm 58. You know, I can do math, you know, land in a matter in their thirties already. And so I can't say, Oh, I'll fix this in five years. I don't want, I don't want my sons to be worried about my temper. I don't want them to go, geez, dad's not there for us because he's always traveling. I don't want Mm -hmm. that. I don't, I don't want to have a pretty good marriage because that Cammy was putting more into the marriage than I was putting into it. And even though I thought I'm like, Oh, I'm traveling and working and I come home and I'm doing, yeah. So what? Nobody cares. If you don't want to do it, don't do it. Yeah. Right. Like if I'm going to do it, like she deserved better than what I was able to give. And so all those things became part of the drive to be better. And I can, I mean, we've been married 18 years and, um, like it it never been better. It's, it's never been better. And it's not because she got better. She honestly, I said in the article, she's the nicest person I'll ever meet. She's, she's amazing. And I'm really lucky, but she wasn't getting the same thing back. And so all that stuff that I see changing now, like, I can't believe when I, I, like I do something now and I'll think about it and I'm like, Oh, I, that just came naturally. <laughs> you, you know, like I didn't have to think about whatever it was. I, it just happened. And that, so the more the habit becomes ingrained, the more the thinking of gratitude, thinking of, and, and, and in a way I hate talking in a, about all this stuff in these terms because it seems so out of a yeah. book or new age. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes I even hate saying it, but, but it's fact. Yeah. It's, it is the energy, the, the trying to find something positive, trying to like, I, I rarely now, I rarely read anything about politics because the angst it gives me, I, I just can't take it anymore. I'm like, I, I pay attention. I know what's going on. I, you know, I'm going to, but I can't be in an argument all the time about things that you can't change or you, you know, like, what are you doing? And so all those things that come in and then they get put into this basket of, 
you know, of, of gratitude and empathy and, and people, you can almost see some people going, yeah, yeah, I got it. Yeah. I got it. Yeah. But you know what? It's, it's honestly, it has changed the, the meditation, have, having some faith, like faith in something bigger than me, mm-hmm. uh, gratitude, empathy, living with good intent. It's changed, changed my outlook. It's changed my life. Yeah. We get that sort of, even during our podcast episodes, sometimes like you feel awkward talking about those kinds of things just because like, I guess it still com- comes back to like the male stigma and, and even being in sports, like the locker room topics are slowly changing. But like, if you just start talking about like your faith and meditation, like I, the, the topics that I love, it's just sometimes if it's the wrong guy, you get looked at as being as a, a bit of a weirdo, but it's also changing for sure, especially with us, with our team. And I think it's like you said, kind of the culture that has been created and, and a lot of the personalities we have, have in the locker room. But Ty, do you got well, anything I else? Can't, I was just going to say about the locker room stuff, like, you know, people, people that have never been in it, uh, a locker room, they seem surprised that everybody doesn't get along in there. Yeah. And you're, you know, that everything's not like, well, why don't you just, why don't you guys just talk about it? And like, man, it's 25 guys. If you put 25 random people in a room, there's no way they're going to agree all the time. Like in, in just go pick 25 people off the street. How, how are they going to agree? They go get, and, and even if that's a bad example, go get 25 accountants or 25 lawyers or 25 nurses. They're not going to agree on everything. No yeah. chance. And so the, but if the conversation changes, and of course I'm not in it like you are right now, is that if the conversations are slowly changing, then the ball's slowly starting to roll and the yeah. momentum will pick up. It's like it will pick up because it, it, with the way the world is now, everybody can hear much more about it than they would. In the past, if I talked to you two guys about it in the locker room, that's where it ended. Yeah, because there was no. That was it. It was like, who? Where else are you gonna go? Well, now it. You can read about it on a, a social media platform, or, you know, you can hear about it from another guy on a team that somebody might send you a text. Well, back yeah. then you were like, there was nobody to talk to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I wanted to touch on one la- one last thing. I got one fun question afterwards, but I uh, we just had our boy Chris Johnson on as well, and we. Yeah, uh, uh, it's crazy because he he's doing I think nine hundred straight days of running you're doing 399 yeah. straight days of meditation i mean it's, by the it's way profound. the running the running i don't know what <laughs> he's doing <laughs> <That's> <laughs> it's just crazy <laughs> yeah it's actually mind-blowing but he definitely um he was very adamant on how much you know covid obviously was a a very terrible thing for a lot of people but um for himself and for yourself obviously there was a lot of amazing changes that came out of it um this is what i we didn't touch on the article enough. I mean, there were so many amazing quotes in it and there was so much stuff that, um, you know, I, it was just it was just fascinating to read. But one of my favorite quotes was, you know, and Ferrero slowed down. You know, he he breathed, his patience grew, his empathy, his sense of being where he was. And he also, I mean, another quote was, but as Granado puts it, the family loved going nowhere together. I mean, even just hearing that back, you know, loved going nowhere together. You've been in this routine for, like you said, how many years? And now you're in a place where it's like, I can sit down and I can enjoy being present with my family and play a board game. 
how did this impact you? How does this continually impact you being able to, you know, not judge, you know, exactly where you're at, but just trust that where you're at is where you're supposed to be. And this is, this is happening for a reason. Well, okay. So, you know, we're all, we all live the same life for two years or for a year anyway, like you wake up, there's nowhere to go. There's, you can't go anywhere. You'd, you know, if it was a day to go get groceries, one of us would go get groceries. That's when you were still washing your groceries before you you brought them into the house. So we had a table outside in the garage and, you know, you'd come, you know, whoever got the groceries would, you know, would be swiping everything off and the other person would be bringing it in. And then we'd sit and talk for an hour and a half. And then uh, about an important thing or a non-important thing. And then, the kids would be, you know, we we tried to, you know, the homeschooling was, I don't know how that was, that was not so great. But then like, we'd be like, okay, like we got a basketball hoop in the backyard. Let's go shoot hoops. Well, pretty soon you're out there for 90 minutes. Not even really shooting hoops. You're just kind of talking while you're playing. We've, people never have time to do that. We certainly never had time to do that because I was never home for it. And so it became like, really kind of, we were lucky, right? Because, you know, we had good health. We had, you know, we had a place to stay. People had enough space that you're not sitting on each other's feet. And it was, it was really a springboard into the way it's become now. Like, you know, you heard, you guys heard Ollie. So we get it as if there wasn't enough to do. We get a puppy at this, you know, like <laughs> during COVID, like 8 billion other people. And so like Cammy would say, I'm, I'm going to go walk the dog. And it never occurred to me that the right thing to say was not, oh, you want me to come? Like, she's going to go walk the dog. I would just go. And then we talked for another hour. Yeah. Well, before I might've said, okay, yeah, I'll see you when you get back. Right. So just little things like that, every connection seemed easier to make because there was no one, there was no one else to make a connection to like, who, where were you going to go? What were you going to do? Nothing. And so we, her quote was perfect. We loved going nowhere together. Now, when we started to go somewhere, that was nice too. But in the meantime, we became a stronger family unit. There, there is, Zero question. And I'm of the terrible spot that we lived for two years and we're going to, there'll still be ramifications for a long, long, long time. We, we really, we really had some great stuff come out of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It is interesting. It's like that. uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the song going nowhere fast, but it's exactly like that. Like, I mean, it's just, it's so refreshing sometimes to have nowhere to go and just be able to have those little, sometimes meaningless, sometimes meaningful conversations that just springboard into, you know, that next step or that next conversation or that next experience or next adventure, whatever it may be. Um, But last kind of question for me, I hope you'll stay on after we kind of say our goodbyes and shoot the shit a little bit more because, you know, Ray, I'm, I'm fascinated by you and i've always been a fan but uh thank you just as a young hockey fan like one of the most what is your it's this is probably hard um and i i want to relate it to just world juniors because you've done so many incredible world juniors like 2008 or whatever it is but is there one hockey 
event memory that just will forever be ingrained in your brain as one of the most amazing things that you've ever experienced? Um, okay. As a, as a player, I can think of two right away. Um, one was the 1993 playoffs. We I'm with the Islanders. We make it on the last day of the regular season. Somehow we beat Washington in the first round. I don't even, you know, so now we're, we're playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's won the cup two years in a row. Uh, they finished the regular season with a 17 game winning streak. They run over New Jersey in the first round, four to one. And then we're playing them. Like we, we have no chance. If you looked at the two rosters on the, it was like, it was just not right. Anyway, we get to game seven. Um, I'm having an amazing playoff. We get to overtime and we get a two on one and I set up David Volick and we score. I will never, David scores. I will never forget how quiet the arena in Pittsburgh got. You know, I, I'm at the bottom of the pile with David. Everybody's jumping on us. And I can hear Glenn Healy, our goalie, coming down the ice yelling. <laughs> I can hear him in the building. It's that quiet. It's and like I'm the like, bubble. oh, here comes. Yeah. It's, I'm like, oh, here comes Heels. And he's, uh, yes, exactly. You're like, oh. That was yeah. the first one. The second was I was at the World Championships in 1996. And we got to the semifinals. We get to a shootout against Russia. Um, their first player scored. Our first four missed. Their next four missed after their first score. So it's, I'm fifth shooter. And um, as I'm going over the boards, Marty Brodeur was backing up Curtis Joseph. How about that for goalie pair? And <laughs> and Marty says, he goes, uh, they called me rat boy. And uh, – <laughs> And he goes, uh, and he goes, uh, hey, rat boy, I don't think your move can work here. And, and I, I'm not sure. I'm like, I only got one move. And so I go in, I fake to my forehand, go to the backhand, score. We get to the final. Like, the building was shaking. Who and was in after, that for Russia? Uh, a guy named uh, Andre Trefilov. He played in the oh, NHL okay. and good goalie and, uh, well, I like to say he was a good goalie anyway. <laughs> so uh, um, the, the people, as we got on the bus after, um, like the wives and other players were there, they're like, it was so loud. What were you thinking? And I will never forget that I didn't hear a thing. Nothing, not one sound. And so that's from playing as a broadcaster. Yarmir Yager's last international tournament was in Prague. And uh, we were doing the world championships and he was having an amazing tournament and they have this saying, I don't know what it is in Czech, but basically they start jumping up and down. And the saying is, if you're not jumping, you're not Czech. And <laughs> the building was shaking. Like it was literally moving. And I, it, I will never forget how much love and admiration these people had for Yager. It was, it was amazing. Wow. That's cool. Jeez. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I can only imagine the list just goes on and on, but uh, yeah, like I said, Ray, we'll, uh, we'll chat for a couple minutes after, but uh, we just wanted to uh, truly thank you for your time, um, for your, your empathy, your vulnerability, your, you know, your compassion and uh, you know, just being able to, 
be now just what you are and uh, in the hockey community especially i think it's uh it's it's touched a lot of lives and it's touched a lot of lives that you probably don't even know that it's touched so um yeah from the bottom of our hearts i mean we have so much appreciation for what you're uh, doing and um yeah thank yeah, you right. very much that was great gotta, Chief, gotta, say hi to your dad get- eh yeah, we got to give Lando a shout out too because he he hooked us up and I know I got a little quote from him saying how happy he was. I think are you going down to Germany soon? Yeah, I think uh yeah, I'm going the 22nd and I'm sure him and Emily are really excited I'm going there cuz that means they yeah. get a couple of dinners and uh <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. No, he said he said he was he was really proud of you and he said selfishly he's excited that you get to come down to to Germany. So I know uh I know that'll be a fun trip. So um, no, Lando's Lando's great. Obviously, a, a good friend of mine. So, um, no, yeah, Ray, thank, thank you. you very much. And yeah, it's great. Well, thanks a lot, guys. This episode is also brought to you by BioSteel. Zero sugar, essential electrolytes, great taste, and pure hydration. Join the likes of Connor McDavid, Alec Manoa, Andrew Wiggins, Brooke Henderson, and Patrick Mahomes on the BioSteel train. It's time for you to try BioSteel with our SYM25 discount code that will get you 25% off at checkout. Yep, that's right. I will gladly attest to this being the best hydration drink on the market. SYM25 at checkout. 